every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Todd Wells, CMO at Acumatica, a leading innovator in cloud ERP. In this episode, Todd provides insights into the marketing team's responsibilities within Acumatica, how people want to be sold to, and what major sports sponsorships have done for brand awareness and helping his team break through to new audiences. Todd dives deep into his vision and work in brand awareness for Acumatica and how those efforts directly work with and alongside demand generation. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Todd Wells, CMO at Acumatica, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Today, our show is brought to you by Qualified, as it is every day. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Tap into that greatest asset, your website. Go to qualified.com. And today, we're joined by a very special guest, Todd. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for having me. Excited to have you on the show, excited to chat marketing, Acumatica, and everything in between. Let's get into it. What was your first job in marketing? Ooh, that's going way back. It was actually in the cellular industry. I did fraud prevention, CRM, some product management, some net present value modeling, sort of ran the gamut in and around marketing, but that was my real entree to it. And flash forward to today, what does it mean to be CMO of Acumatica? It means that, you know, I'm responsible for a very broad portfolio of marketing in a very exciting, very fast growing company. And it's been a, you know, a great progression to it. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? <laughs> Where we go and feel honest and trusted and you share those deepest, darkest marketing secrets. What does Acumatica do? So Acumatica is a born-in-the-cloud ERP software company, which is basically finance software. We sell into the SMB space, especially relative to particular industries, so construction, distribution, manufacturing, retail, and then a long tail certainly of industries beyond that. And, you know, we're unique in that we are channel driven um, and sell only through partners. And we are going to get way into that today. Always a fascinating <laughs> uh, topic. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about those customers. Who's this buying committee? What do they look like? Yeah. So within SMB, it, it certainly varies. And so for companies on the smaller side of SMB, it might well be the owner of the company. For companies that are larger within that segment, it might be VPs of finance or other. 
But we typically see two scenarios. And so one are companies that are growing beyond QuickBooks or evolving beyond QuickBooks capability set and need a Mm. full ERP solution. And the other one is really companies that have had a legacy on-prem ERP solution. And if whether for gross or growth or sophistication reasons have realized they need to get into the cloud and to a modern ERP solution. Yeah. So such interesting triggers there, such a, 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 a clear, you know, decision of when to move. I mean, I guess not that clear. It's still very cloudy, but pardon the pun with cloudy, but yeah, that's, those are very interesting triggers. Yeah, no, it's, it's super interesting. Just in terms of, you know, what we see relative to like win loss analysis and other, like the progression, you know, of these customers into these scenarios. But it also, you know, enables us to, to target well into those segments and to, to find those prospects. So how do you structure your org to go after those accounts? Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think that my org structure is relatively traditional, if you will. We've got communications, events, product marketing. I do manage the inside sales or BDR team, which I think, you know, relative to some companies can be unique. But I think that the the standout is that we do have uh, relatively significant resourcing on the partner marketing side. And so we have a whole partner marketing enablement capability. It includes a number of different services, a number of different capabilities for partners. But it's something that's critically important for us because they are, you know, we are so in line with them in terms of an ecosystem. We really want to create a flywheel with them in terms of marketing and outreach, meaning that we can be you know, more than we can be by ourselves in, in leveraging them and them leveraging us. And so, you know, organizationally speaking and resource speaking in terms of investments, you know, the, the partner marketing piece is substantive for us. Yeah. So what does, what does inside sales do if you have such a strong, you know, partner go to market? Yeah. So, so an interesting one, and it, it sort of gets into the accountability of what we do as well. And so something that's, you know, I think very interesting for Acumatica in terms of marketing is that I I don't truly carry a quota, but I, in effect, carry a quota, which is marketing is responsible for driving 30% at minimum of what are our net new licensing wins. So on a quarterly and on an annual basis in terms of the, the forecasts and the goals from finance, you know, marketing is responsible for driving 30% of those net wins. And so, you know, we do operate in terms of driving that demand. Demand generation has been core to what I've done in the company, what we as a marketing team have done. And so, you know, whether it's the the whole lead to MQL to opportunity process and that that qualification, the delta is that once we've qualified prospects as opportunities, they're transitioned to partners rather than someone within the organization following up with them. Yeah. And, and, and zoom back out. What's your marketing strategy? So it's really, I mean, it is in, in terms of outcomes, it's really demand gen focused. You know, I think that, you know, we, we have covered um, a broad swath. I mean, one of the things that, that we do within demand gen is we focused very heavily on paid search. But I think that one of the things that's that's interesting in terms of you know strategy and outcomes at this juncture within the company's life cycle is the criticality of awareness. And so 
Acumatica is very much a challenger within the ERP space. There are much larger incumbents than ourselves. And so one of the things that while I've been predominantly focused on very pure demand gen in my tenure at the company in the last six months or maybe year, we've you know progressively been dipping our toes into just brand awareness as well. And so whether that's airport advertising, whether that's connected TV, whether that's sports sponsorships, but all of those are really something that we've understood from the marketplace that there's you know, especially from partners and then speaking to partners, what do they value? What do they want? They are very focused on wanting more brand awareness from Acumatica. Yeah, that's so funny. It's so funny because in marketing conversations, we're always talking about the importance of brand to, you know, the CFO and CEO and all those people. And they're always like, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell them, talk Mm -hmm. about pipeline. But then hearing it from your partners and saying like, no, brand is super important is it's a funny turn on its head. Yeah. And it's, it you know, in our scenario, I think it happens, interestingly, very far down the funnel. And so where it's really critical and where the partners are asking for it is really that conversion to win. And so when they're in a final sales situation or a head-to-head situation, and the CFO, you know, ultimately needs to determine if they're going to Rebaseline their company on a on a finance cloud solution, then you know the name and the brand is very important. Any other things sort of unique about selling SMB for this, you know, and and how you think about you know driving pipeline? Obviously, every sale is emotional in some ways, but mm-hmm. SMB tend we tend to as an SMB we tend to be a little bit more emotional with some of our purchases. <laughs> yeah, and I don't. I think that one piece of that for us maybe is just the positivity of the brand, genuinely speaking. And it's something that that I honestly focus on in my role. I think that we genuinely live it in terms of our, our company and our culture and the people within it. But we do have a a very solid NPS or net promoter score within the industry of 32. You know, to my knowledge, that's a, that's a leading figure. But it's, you know, that's really sort of part of even, honestly, how we go to market, how we communicate with our partners, with our customers. And it's something that I think is deeply ingrained, you know, in who we are. But it's that positivity, you know, it's that, it's that brand, it's a sense of community. And so one of the things that we do on an annual basis is we have a summit for the last few years and for the next couple of years. So we had 3,000 or so people, for example, at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas for cool. the Acumatica Summit. But it's really, it is a genuine, in my mind, community experience where those customers, those partners, you know, the Acumatica employees really assemble and talk about what is the product roadmap. You know, how can we improve as a, as a community? How can people learn from each other? And so I, I genuinely consider it very productive and very positive. We put so much work into our, into our user conferences in, in B2B. So, 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 so much work. I've been trying to make them bigger and better and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's, an interesting, it's interesting to, to yeah. think about it, not even as a marketing investment anyways. <laughs> uh, arguably, marketing shouldn't even be in charge of it. Yeah, well, I think that I'd probably make a distinction of marketing should be in charge of it. I think it's an interesting question as to where the budget would sit, given that criticality of execution. But yeah, you could debate that. All right, let's get to the playbook. 
This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. That's where we talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? Yeah. And some of them I've, I've mentioned already, but you know, for us, I would say our number one uncuttable is probably paid search. And so we have developed what I consider true expertise in paid search. It accounts for a substantive portion of our demand generation and results. And so that's top of mind always for me. You know, we're very on top of optimizing that very persistently and, and constantly. The second one is the partner marketing enablement piece. And so you know, that's really critical to our ecosystem, how we're trying to develop in terms of breadth, in terms of reach, in terms of you know, our partners truly onboarding Acumatica and their effectiveness in marketing and selling it. And then I would say that progressively it's that awareness piece. And so you know, how can we really, as the challenger in the space, make the give sort of recognition of the brand give confidence in the brand but but that's you know relative to life cycle or life stage that is very important to us at this point so if someone sees an acumatica ad on search and they click through and they get into the funnel or do you route them to a partner or how does that work no, so they would come to us. And so they would, if it were a form fill, they would come to us as taxonomically a lead. We would progress them, you know, pending some scoring algorithms to an MQL. When they hit MQL, we qualify them through the BDR team within the marketing team. And then once qualified as an opportunity, we would route them based on industry, based on geo, based on other criteria to who would be the most appropriate partner to convert it to a win. Very cool. So with, with regards to that paid search part, obviously that's not something that you can do with partners. That is just something that you're doing to drive, to drive deals. But if you were to say like an organization who maybe doesn't have a very strong partner, partner org, they might not be running paid search at all. That being said, how common do you think it is? Yeah. And so, so it's an interesting question. I, I, I typically think about it almost in the, in the reverse fashion, which is because of the mandate for us to essentially do the demand gen for 30% of the net new licensing wins, then paid search is a critical component of that for us. Right. The situation that we typically run into is that the part, the partners that are doing paid search themselves, how can we reconcile what is their spend with our spend to yep. ensure that we're not either overlapping or ultimately costing each other more money? Yeah. And so, you know, we'll, for some of the bigger partners, we'll engage them in a, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation and speak about search terms, for example. We've actually created and published a document for our partners in terms of counsel as to how to not, you know, conflict with each other. So yeah, that's something that, that certainly does come up as part of that vehicle. But, you know, for us, it's something that I think that we've found very common ground with partners and we've been able to reconcile it pretty well. And some of what we do is we also have within partner marketing enablement and we've got, you know, different capabilities and services within that, you know, one of which is we provide a marketing automation platform for our partners. And so they can oh, host cool. data, they can execute campaigns, 
We give them you know, HTML email templates, for example. We also use that same platform for the dissemination of all of our product marketing content for them to use within their sales cycle. We do, we have other things like lunch and learn programs. We've got social syndication capabilities for partners to use. But one of them, you know, which is moderately traditional in my mind, is also joint marketing funds or, or JMF. And so to your question about paid search, you know, one of the things that we've found partners do quite well is actually paid social. Mm. So, you know, we tend to be the 800 pound gorilla or other for maybe lack of a better expression in the paid search space. But then in terms of a model, what we found is effective is then how can partners then complement that or use, you know, different channels or vehicles that suit their expertise and so we found, you know, paid social is certainly one of those. And, and in certain cases and with certain partners, you know, we can also co-fund that through the joint marketing fund type program as well. Any interesting ca- other campaigns that you've done in your partner or channel marketing org in that in that second bullet? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking about campaigns. I mean, we do a lot of competitive campaigns, mm. and I think that those are you know, often successful. I think we do a lot of install base or, or conversion type campaigns, and those are successful. You know, I, I honestly think the things, and, and maybe it's relative to my background as well, but I, I tend to find not the campaigns as interesting. I, I tend to consider more of the journeys interesting, like the sales yeah. sequences. And so how do we automate? How do we scale? How do we develop the, the consistency of that prospect and customer experience? And so where I've spent a lot of my time is really thinking about then, and back to your question about inbound from paid search, for example, how do we personalize the website, especially based on industry you know, or audience to that, that person that's inbound to acumatica.com? How does that then translate into um, what is a journey? And so how are we nurturing? How are we maturing? that individual and that company through that pipeline. And then ultimately, you know, what becomes a very clean handoff, again, sort of taxonomically between what are our journeys to our sales sequences. And so then how are we promoting, you know, the product marketing content, for example, that we think is most relevant to that stage, to that particular industry. But I, I, I tend to take, you know, far more pride in, in what is aligning that experience across the the website, the journeys and the sales sequences than than necessarily any campaign, if you will. I think that that's like, that's like the modern B2B marketing. I think Mm -hmm. at this stage is, is I think campaigns were very 2000 late uh, or something, (laughs) but I think, but I think it it speaks to sort of this more modern persona based industry based, Hey, I want to know what my peers are doing. I want to know what my friends are doing. I want to know what, people who are like me are doing. 100% agree. And, and one of the, the best vehicles for that, that I think that we've really focused on and developed an expertise in are the customer success stories. Mm. So, so number one, you actually have to have uh, positive customer yeah. stories to in fact do that. So that's, that's sort of a prerequisite, if you will. And so I think that, again, back to that positivity I think that we've got almost innumerable customer success stories that we can go after and that we can publish. 
but it's really working those into, into the website. It's really working those into the assets within those journeys and within those sales sequences. Because I think to your, to your point, I mean, people want to see other people like themselves. And so they want to see, you know, common pain points. They want to see common solutions. They want to see, you know, ROIs and timelines. And all of those things become very tangible and very explicit, you know, if you can hear them from, from others like yourselves. Yeah. It, it's all the things that end up on the deck that they pitch to their boss need to all mm-hmm. be things that you've already created, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Well, what do you, what do you, what do you see as SMB? I, I should say too, I mean, the S part can be, can be really little or it can be really big. So what do you, yeah. what do you sort of define as that? Yeah, I think that is a, that's a, a fluid definition across different companies. But for us, what it means is companies with revenue typically between 10 and 500 million. Okay. And so do we have customers that are on either side of that? Certainly. I and mean, we've got several billion dollar customers, but in terms of that, that core sweet spot, it tends to be that, that 10 to 500 million revenue mark. Cool. Yeah. I, well, and the, and the reason three, I should ask that earlier in the show, but the, the reason that I think it's super important is you really need customer stories for those smaller type organizations. Like you just can't, they need to see something that's like them and hear it from that person's mouth much more so than like, yeah, if you're in, you know, if you're working with a multi-billion dollar company, they're going to be like, yeah, let me see some people like me, but they also are going to go, yeah, but we're different. Mm-hmm. You know, and like everybody says that, but in SMB, it's like, yeah, probably not that different of a, mm-hmm. of a, you know, construction company or, or whatever. Yeah, no, you're very right. And then, so ideally what you, what you would ultimately want are customer success stories that fit every dimension of what you're trying to sell into, right? So whether it's industry, whether it's the revenue size, whether it's the audience, whether it's the geography, I mean, you'd, you'd ideally have, you know, a full set of customer success stories for each one, each iteration of all of that dimensionality, right? But the reality is that you can't, you can't really have what would be the full portfolio of assets for each iteration of that dimensionality. And so what you typically have are maybe the highest rung or the, the video success stories, which mm-hmm. obviously require more production and time. And so you don't necessarily have every, every iteration within that context. But then what we also produce are hero decks, for example. And so we've got slides that would be, you know, far more numerous than the, the customer video success stories. And then ultimately, you know, it also gets into referenceability. And so, you know, all of the, the customer success content. And then, you know, how can you also then further that through having referenceable customers against each each iteration as well and so you know the the more that you can have against all of that really it makes the the selling process far more i think fluid and certainly more successful it really does and we never talk about customer success stories with like a hard roi number attached but it's so funny because i'm i'm sure there's one of our somebody probably has this information but it's like you know, you touch, you watch two, three, four customer videos. You just kind of start to believe what the sales rep is telling you, right? Mm-hmm. And so we found them, to your point, I mean, very impactful. 
we do invest explicitly in it. And even if you look at the navigation on acumatica.com, for example, it's right in the forefront. And so, you know, we, we think that it's super critical to that sales process. So one of the things I was going to say, y'all got 124 of them. That's pretty darn good. And then the final piece here, you know, you talked about sort of being a challenger brand and, and brand building. Yeah. What do you, what do you do for that? What are the the types of, of like, you know, activations or, or whatever that, that show that you're, you know, a challenger brand? Yeah. And so some of it, I think gets back to paid search. And so we do disproportionately invest in my mind in paid search. And so then what we try to do is also um, provide some surround sound to that. And so display ads, whether that's connected TV, we've started to invest in, in the last maybe 18 months or so. A couple of months ago, we began an experiment with national radio or Sirius XM We've found airport advertising very successful for us. We get a lot of feedback about them and we think that that's great. And then one of the other things that, you know, that we've done more recently are sports sponsorships. And so last year we sponsored an IndyCar team. We sponsored a NASCAR team for the next two years. So 2023 and four, we are partnering with Jessica Corda in the LPGA. And so we found, you know, those sports sponsorships very successful and productive as well. And so for us, you know, it's not one thing. I think it's it's a lot of things. And so how can we, you know, get get ourselves heard? How can we break into to new audiences to, to get familiarity with the brand and folks wanting to learn more about who we are and what we do? But I think that it's it's a little bit early days on that. But I think that it's something that we will progressively be focusing on and, and evolving. Very cool. I'm curious to the feedback that you got on the on the airport ads. Oh, it's it's actually pretty funny. And so whether they're partners, whether they're customers, you really see it a lot in social. And so people will take selfies with the airport ads and post them. And the, the reactions, it's really, it, it's pretty impressive. And so it's great to see. What, what are you putting on these things? People taking selfies with them? That's pretty good. <laughs> I think maybe it just relates to their affinity with the brand and maybe that positivity that we spoke to. That people, in fact, want to do that, but but yes, they do. That's pretty pretty cool. Anything that you want to be investing in here in the near term? You know, for me, it's it would really be that awareness piece. Mm -hmm. Like if if we could, you know, invest further in awareness, I think it's very important for the trajectory of the company. You know, I think that this company has very significant ambitions. And if we are to realize those ambitions, you know, we've we've very much solidified the demand gen piece. I feel like I can scale that very well. I think that, you know, what's what's sort of top of mind for me beyond that is that awareness piece and and not how it relates maybe to current state, but how does it relate to where this company wants to be in the next three to five years, maybe. I love you love to hear a CMO talking about the next three to five years. <laughs> Warms my marketing heart. No good. That's fun. How do you view your website? I view it as a infinitely critical component of what is our demand gen. I think it's also a significant conveyor of our brand, our design ethic, even, if you will. And then I think that functionally speaking, we perceive it much 
more progressively in that personalization arena. And so, you know, as people are coming to the website, how can we best determine what industry are they in? You know, what audience are they within or which persona? And then how can we, you know, best accommodate what they, what they're looking for? And how can we, you know, drive further interest in Acumatica and start to move them along the pipeline? All right, let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly. As we've got punches and kicks. We talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitors, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust-up in your career, Todd? I don't know anybody that hasn't had a memorable dust-up in their career. I don't know if I if anybody needs to hear about said dust-ups, but but I think that, you know, in my mind, and, and I think that that's a natural course of, of work. And, and I'd also almost say that if, if you haven't had dust-ups, then maybe you're not pushing hard enough. Like, I think that the dust-ups can be a productive outcome of what are people that are sort of pushing on the model, you know, trying to optimize, trying to ensure that that you're extracting you know, the most that you can from the execution or the strategy, whatever case it may be. But I think that you know, as I what I've learned in my career is that the the it's maybe the solution to the dust ups, not not that they won't happen. I think it's really and honestly just communication. And so, you know, how can you best communicate what you're trying to accomplish and why? How can you best understand that other person's perspective and opinions and what are their motivations? But it really, I think, truly gets to that, which is, you know, how can you best communicate with your peers, the board of directors, your manager, your team? But, but yeah, I think that that's really the most critical component to it. Let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like how quickly qualified helps companies generate pipeline tap into your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly, and I mean instantly, start sales conversations right there on the website. You can talk to the salesperson right there on the website. You can talk to a salesperson from Qualified. If you go to qualified.com, it's quick and easy to use Qualified, just like these questions. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Quick hits, Todd. Are you ready? Sure, let's do it. (laughs) Number one. Do you have a hidden talent or skill that is not on your resume? I don't know if I have a hidden talent or skill. I think the one that's that's maybe not hidden is just background, perhaps, like relative to being CMO. And so, you know, I think I've had maybe a slightly different path into the role. And so my you know, my marketing career was very focused on different aspects of marketing. And so really the data operations, analytics piece to technology, MarTech. And, you know, with this job, then I've, I obviously sort of own the whole breadth of what is marketing. But I think that 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 background, I mean, that path into the role certainly gives me a particular perspective on it. It also 
arguably drives, you know, how, what I focus on and how I focus on particular things. But yeah, for me, you know, marketing in terms of what underpins it, it's really the scalability. It's really the efficiency. It's that customer experience and the, the cleanliness of it. And so, you know, a lot of that's super important to me. And I think that maybe just a different, different background than maybe others have had a path into the role. See, I thought you just didn't want to leave Washington. So you're just like, I'm just going to spend as much time in Washington-based companies as I can. No, I do love Washington and Fairpoint. And yes, uh, maybe the personal hidden skill would be hiking. And so I love the Pacific Northwest. I think this is some of the best hiking potentially in the world. And so, yeah, I spend a lot of my personal time and effort hiking, and I, I truly do cherish this area for it. Do you have a favorite book or podcast or TV show or something that you've been checking out that you like? Yeah. So right now I'm reading a book, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by, I think it's Gabrielle Zevin, but I think that's the name, but very interesting in terms of it gets into gaming quite a bit and I'm not a huge gamer. I don't know if you are, but yeah, just super interesting, super entertaining book. Cool. Check it out. What advice would you give to a first-time CMO who is trying to figure out their marketing strategy? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, first I would say you have to lay the groundwork maybe. And so in my mind, that's probably setting expectations with the CEO. So what's realistic in terms of outcomes and delivery? What's the associated timeline and sort of development of the capability? One of the things that I don't hear maybe after that enough people talk about is the relationship with finance. And so, you know, the, the, the relationship with sales, I find fairly obvious and sort of a core function um, of the position itself. But one of the things that I've learned is really developing that relationship with finance. I mean, marketing is synonymous with the budget. And so you really do want to have that clarity, that communication, that relationship with the finance team. I think maybe the, the third thing would be the reporting and the transparency. And so relative to setting those expectations with the CEO, relative to that relationship and clarity with the CFO, then it becomes, you know, what's your ability to, to truly and specifically track the outcomes that you're driving? And then, as mentioned previously, then it, then it becomes that relationship with sales. And so what are the handoffs? What are the expectations, what's the entirety of the go-to-market plan. But, you know, for us, and I think that we have made very explicit efforts on that relationship. Honestly, the relationship that I've got with sales is the most positive relationship of any I've seen in any of the companies that I've been in in my career. And it, it, it honestly snaps back to that communication point earlier, which is, what we do is every Friday morning, we have a meeting to review what is the marketing dashboard, which has the, the full pipe from leads to wins, what was driven by Acumatica, what was driven by partners. And that meeting is with myself, it's with the CFO, it's with the chief revenue officer, it's with the VP of sales, it's with members of each respective team, but it really provides this this you know weekly event where we've got that open line of communication we're looking at the results we're talking about what's coming up 
from a marketing calendar perspective, whether that's events, whether that's campaigns, it's looking at what is the favorability, you know, against the goals and the forecasts that we that we do on a weekly basis. And so that that communication, that persistence, that consistency, you know, is super important. Todd, it's been absolutely awesome having you on the show. For our listeners, go check out acumatica.com. If you're looking for a cloud ERP and you're an SMB, check them out, acumatica.com. Todd, any final thoughts, anything to plug? No plugs, just thank you very much for having me. It was fun. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much and take care. Thank you. Thanks again to our friends at qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.